0: Okay. Good evening, and welcome to the November 30th, 2022, hybrid meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight, and he is joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, Commissioner John Tresviña, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney John Givner, who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Al Conway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Tina Tam, the deputy zoning administrator, representing the planning department, and Matthew Green, acting chief building inspector with the department of building inspection. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The board rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules, or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now, public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person, two, via Zoom, go to our website and click on the Zoom link under the Hearings tab. And number three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter Webinar ID 884 2347 And again, SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. To block your phone number when calling in, first dial star six seven, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star 9, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star 6 to unmute yourself. You'll have three minutes, and our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it is very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say I do after you've been sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth?
1: I do.
0: Okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. Okay, Commissioners, we do have one housekeeping item. The parties for items 5A, 5B, 5C, and 5D, subject property at 1863 Pine Street, would like to continue these items to February 1st, 2023. So we would need a motion and a vote, and we also have to call for public comment.
2: Commissioner, do you have a motion?
3: Uh, I move to uh, to continue the four agenda items to our February 1st, 2023 meeting.
0: Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. I don't see any hands raised, so on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. Okay, that motion carries five to zero, and those items are continued to February 1st, 2023. We are now moving on to item number one. This is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there anyone here for general public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, Mr. McMurdo, welcome. Please go ahead, you have three minutes. You're on mute, we can't hear you.
4: Thank you, can you hear me okay now?
0: Yes, please go ahead. Thanks very
4: much. The Taxi Service Group had a hearing today at 3 o'clock, it's called Taxi Outreach. It's sort of a dog and pony show in my opinion, but it was the same verbiage we've heard before um, about having a a robust permit harmonization process, which really means exterminating the elderly and disabled. Uh, They're saying they're only going after people who are non-compliant, which as you know from the hearing a week ago that or two weeks that um, a blind person can't comply with getting a California driver's license. And anyway, they mentioned the website again, your website, uh, verifying that you agree with them, the, the MTA, that you no longer have jurisdiction. So it's all kind of sad. Uh, the main thing I wanted to talk about, though, today was the... Um, In fact, you're going to write a letter apparently to the MTA. I I would suggest you expand that and write also to the city attorney's office. Every step of the way for the last 35 years, it's really been the city attorney's office running the show. Even the most recent thing is uh, the exclusive authority language in Prop A, which the opinion came down that it supersedes the city charter. Uh, I looked at that language, and it only, the only thing remotely suggestive of that is that there's exclusive authority for MTA over taxi-related functions, and I think it's a real stretch to consider it a function to take away 90-year-old uh, rights of independent review with your body. And so I hope you'll be willing to challenge and fight for your right, challenge the city attorney and fight for your right to uh, continue to hear appeals. Um, And one thing, if you do that, I'll send an email, but I would say one thing that uh, David Chu might want to do is revisit what happened in 1988 when the sworn intention of an applicant for a Prop K medallion to drive got transformed into a mandatory requirement that was a change. Thanks, Miss Miscodification. So I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, and uh, thank you for all you do, you've been doing. Uh, it's sort of like the last vestige of hope for a lot of us. And uh, it looks like the, it was mentioned today by Ms. Torrin, the taxi director, that the uh, they're going to bring the matter back to the board to try to change the transportation code to say that you're BOA doesn't have the right. That's time. Thank you your appeals.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from Mr. Fonseca. Welcome. You have three minutes. Can you hear me? Yes.
5: Thank you. Um, I'm calling uh, to urge you. I'm calling in support of my colleague Carl McMurdo who just spoke. I'm urging you to write a letter to the city attorney with a copy to the mayor and perhaps the Board of Supervisors, um, <clears throat> regarding this due process right of taxi permittees. Uh, I also watched the MTA meeting today and Ms. K. Torren mentioned that they will bring the item back perhaps in January. They will continue trying to re- remove, take away our right to appeal to you, to this body. Um, And as I mentioned in the meetings before, I am a career cab driver. I became a medallion holder in 2009. Um, Dealing with our regulators these days, um, I have completely lost faith in them. Uh, And if I could, I would share something personal. Long ago, when I was granted citizenship of this great country, I was so proud. Um, When I first listened to the national anthem as a naturalized citizen, I was overwhelmed with emotions. Um, And as a career cab driver, when I became very active, addressing the need for a level playing field between Uber, Lyft and taxis, at the municipal and state levels, um, I never felt my voice was heard. No one listened. And, uh, And for the past five, 10 years, dealing with our regulators in the city of San Francisco who took the tax industry for a ride, I feel like they took away my citizenship pride and also the pride that I have always had in being a career cab driver. So I'm calling you to urge you to remain our last hope for justice, uh, because I really don't think we have had any justice. The MTA continues relentlessly trying to remove our permits. Uh, And as Carl said, uh, this item will be back the mta board's agenda sometime in january so please be our last hope for justice thank you
0: thank you is there any further general public comment i don't see any so we'll move on to item number two commissioner comments and questions
2: commissioners anything not today thank you
0: okay SO WE WILL NOW MOVE ON TO ITEM NUMBER THREE, ADOPTION OF THE MINUTES. BEFORE YOU, FOR DISCUSSION and POSSIBLE ADOPTION, ARE THE MINUTES OF THE NOVEMBER 16, 2022 MEETING. AND NOTE, uh, COMMISSIONER Tresvenia CONTACTED ME AND THOUGHT IT WOULD BE APPROPRIATE TO ADD A STATEMENT TO, UNDER ITEM 8, THAT WAS A SPECIAL ITEM DISCUSSING THE TAXI PERMIT APPEALS. Uh, HE THOUGHT IT WOULD BE APPROPRIATE TO ADD, TO NOTE THAT ALTHOUGH THERE WAS NO ACTION TAKEN Uh, the commissioners agreed without a vote to place an item on the December 7th, 2022 agenda, which expands on the discussion from item eight. So he is commissioner Tasmania. Did you want to expand?
6: Uh, No, only thank you to, to accommodating my request. I think the continued public interest in the item is expressed tonight is, and also the institutional interest among the, with the other board. I think it should, it should be clear that we did, uh, Not just listen, but also have proposed to uh, Put it on the agenda for the future. So I think that sentence uh, Reflects what we did and uh, and should be added to the minutes. Thank you. Thank thank you. It's a very good idea
2: Would you like to make the motion to accept the minutes, please? Mr. Tuzvina
6: I will move that the minutes be approved with an additional uh, sentence that the commissioners agreed without a vote to place an item on the December 7, 2022 agenda, which expands on the discussion from item 8 at the appropriate okay. place in the minutes. Is there any
0: public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comment. So, on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. Aye. President Swig? Aye. SO THAT MOTION CARRIES 5-0 to AND THE MINUTES ARE ADOPTED AS AMENDED BY COMMISSIONER Trezvina. OKAY, WE ARE NOW MOVING ON TO ITEM NUMBER 4. THIS IS APPEAL NUMBER 22-071, SF COVE, THE COMMITTEE OF VIGILANCE VERSUS DEPARTMENT OF BUILDING INSPECTION WITH PLANNING DEPARTMENT APPROVAL. SUBJECT PROPERTY 1431 SAN BRUNO AVENUE. Appealing the issuance on September 28th, 2022 to Crown Castle and Verizon of an alteration permit. Remove nine antennas and add 12 antennas. Remove 12 radio units and add nine radio units. Install mount modifications for antennas. This is permit number 2022-0228-8869. And Mr. Lee, I understand you're joining us via Zoom.
7: Uh, hello. Yes. Is Hi. My audio yes. Okay.
0: Welcome. I just wanted to clarify with you. Did you want to address the board and ask for a continuance? You had previously asked President Swig and that was denied. But you have an opportunity to ask the board. Each party would have three minutes to address the board.
7: No, I think we can just continue it uh, and move forward tonight.
0: Okay. So Mr. Lee, you have seven minutes to present your case. Please go ahead.
7: I, I just have a presentation. Uh, Do I just click share screen? Is that how it works?
8: Yes. Okay. Uh, We won't start your time until you're ready.
0: Okay. We see your screen. It says number one and a statement.
7: Sorry, is there no audio?
0: Uh, I don't hear any audio. Uh, hmm.
7: Uh, Alec, is there any setting to play uh, audio from the screen share?
8: Um, What format are you using?
7: Uh, I'm on windows. I'm just using a media player. It's
8: playing the video I see, but it's not
7: playing the audio.
8: Is your audio playing on your end or no?
7: Yes, it is.
0: Maybe because you have, are you wearing headphones? Possibly.
7: Uh, hmm. So no audio there.
0: No audio. Are you wearing headphones? Uh, yes, I am. Why don't you take those off and we'll see if the audio comes through? Because the sound is probably going to your headphones.
7: Mm-hmm. Okay, I've uh, removed the headphones.
0: Uh, you unplug them. Yes. Okay. We we still don't have any sound. Is your
7: let me check on the player settings, make sure there's not um, some audio setting. Uh, um, no, it's playing out the speakers here. I'm not sure why it would not be playing in the Zoom.
0: I mean, if we can hear you, we should be able to hear to the sound. So I'm not sure. Are the speakers close to your computer?
8: You could play it through your phone and put it up to the microphone on your computer.
7: Uh, okay. Hmm. Sorry about this. Uh, I tested it in the zoom, uh, just test room and it played okay. I'm not sure why. Not now. Uh, Let me just check the Zoom control panel. Uh, Uh, Do I need to mute my mic when I play it, maybe?
0: Let's try it. But I probably would think that if we can hear you speaking, we should be able you to hear
8: two, uh, You have two um, You know, outputs going at the same time. That's probably conflicting with your computer.
0: So what should you do, Alec?
8: Uh, use one or the other. The I would probably mute one and click the other.
1: Okay. Uh, mute.
7: Uh, maybe let me let me try redoing it and just sharing the screen instead of the player. Maybe that will work. Uh, see. Oh, sorry. I see the problem. Um, there's an option to share the sound. Sorry, I did not see that. Um, I haven't done this before. Uh, let me try again. Required for.
0: Okay, any... we ha- hear the sound now. If you want to start okay. from the beginning okay apologize seeks no add problem
7: additional antennas to a wireless transmission can you make it louder though on the residential block of San Bruno Avenue we request the permit be denied for the following three reasons one Verizon has no conditional use authorization to operate a wireless transmission site at this location this is a residential street and this parcel is owned mur A conditional use authorization is required for any wireless transmission site. In 1997, Planning Commission 97043C granted Sprint a CUA to install a maximum of four antennas at this site. Sprint was granted a CUA. Sprint is not here today. Sprint is Verizon's competitor. Verizon was never granted a conditional use to operate a WTS at this location. Verizon cite FCC rules and the Spectrum Act in their defense. However, those rules only apply to modification of an existing legal facility. Verizon has no legal conditional use authorization to operate a wireless site at this location. So, the federal rules do not apply. Verizon may have received a permit to install antennas in 2015. However, no conditional use was ever granted to Verizon. This permit was granted in error, most likely DBI confusing the legal Sprint site and the illegal Verizon site. DPH lists two wireless sites at this location. Site ID 482, Sprint, 4 antennas, Site 1170, Verizon, 9 antennas. Site ID 1170 has no conditional use to operate here. There are two separate Site IDs, and each would require separate CUAs. Maintenance is performed by a third party, Crown Castle, further confusing the situation. We are guessing DBI did not realize they were separate wireless site IDs and did not check if Verizon possessed a CUA for the site. Even DPH were initially confused that there were more than four antennas at this location, as evidenced by this email. In addition, DPH's documentation for this permit application states the antennas are, quote, installed on the rooftop of the building at 1431 San Bruno Avenue. There is no building here. It's an empty lot. So obviously there is some confusion or some intentional misdirection regarding this site. Granting this new permit for additional antennas would be an expansion of non-conforming use and a violation of the planning code. There is an active planning enforcement action for these violations. Planning Department approval for this permit was rescinded on August 15th, as stated in Exhibit L submitted by Verizon, so it's unclear why the permit was still issued by DBI. 2. Violations of Conditions of Approval for the CUA for the existing legal Sprint site, conditions of approval require a liaison on file with Planning to resolve conflicts such as this. Sunshine requests with Planning, DBI, and DPH show this contact for Sprint. No liaison whatsoever is on file with the City for Verizon. For the existing legal Sprint site, conditions of approval also require antennas and equipment to be landscaped to minimize visual impact on the neighborhood planning code section 102 for wts require that they follow wts siting guidelines guidelines section lu2 requires sites to be compatible with the scale of the locale and incorporate all feasible measures to prevent visual intrusion SPRINT originally applied for eight antennas in 1997. That was denied. The CUA was only issued when the number of antennas was reduced to four to better blend with the residential location. Granting an addition now would conflict with the intentions of the original CUA. This is reinforced in section UD1 which states WTS should be made as unobtrusive as possible to prevent the site becoming a visually distracting antenna farm. Section 9 specifically states, WTS must minimize the visual impact from public streets and from living areas. This site does not make any effort whatsoever to comply with these visual conditions of approval. The site is plainly visible from the street and the bedroom of the adjacent home. Contrast this site to the nearby AT&T WTS on Potrero Avenue, which is surrounded by an opaque vegetation fence. The CUA states any of these violations are conditions for revocation of the CUA. Since even the Sprint site, which is granted the CUA, is in violation, no expansion of this site can be permitted. This site has numerous active DPW and DBI violations. The wireless site itself, as well as the parcel's building and sidewalk, all have blight and graffiti correction notices that are active. The parcel's public sidewalk has active notices of repair, as it is both broken and hazardous, uh, but also non-existent for part of the parcel. The lot is also cited for blight and illegal dumping no effort
8: 30 has been seconds to
7: address these complaints even with this hearing in summary the parcels have active correction notices which need to be resolved before any permit is issued verizon has no conditional use authorization to operate a wts at this location and planning approval was rescinded the wireless site that does have a cua is in violation of its conditions of approval for these reasons, we request this. Permit for Thank you. That's time. Be denied.
0: Thank you. Okay. We will now hear from the attorneys for the permit holder. Welcome. You have seven minutes. Thank
1: you. Good evening, President Swig. Good to see you again, uh, Vice President Lopez, and members of the board. My name is Paul Albright. I'm outside counsel for Verizon Wireless, and for you, new members, have been appearing before this board for decades. Uh, representing Verizon Wireless and the wireless, other wireless carriers and we appreciate your reviewing this uh, application tonight. First, I'd like to introduce online, we've got two experts from the RF testing company. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Hanlon and Clinton Bagley are online. We also have our community liaison, Eric Waltzberger and Ginbar Katema are also on the line and they're able to answer any questions uh, you might have regarding uh, this application. This is an antenna swap. Verizon Wireless will be replacing uh, its antennas. There will be three, uh, essentially three antenna mounts on each sector as there are today. We're going to have one antenna, two antenna, and then two antennas mounted vertically. And that's really all that's going to happen. The antennas are going to increase in height by three inches, and they're going to stick out another two inches from where they are today. And in 2012, President Obama signed the Middle Class Tax Relief and Job Creation Act, Of 2012 and in order to fund that tax that payroll tax the government sold billions of dollars of wireless frequency to the carriers and included in that act is a provision section 6409 that says a local jurisdiction may not deny and shall approve any eligible facilities request for the modification of an existing wireless tower or base station and basically the federal government in that law said All this frequency is going out. We want the carriers to continue to upgrade their networks here, 5G in San Francisco. And in order to do that, we're going to have this federal mandate that within 60 days, a local jurisdiction must approve any modification that doesn't substantially change the physical dimensions of the existing tower and base station. And that's essentially where we are today. Those 60 days have passed. There's six criteria to look at. The federal law says we can go up 20 feet, we can go up 20 feet, we can add four radios, we can't go outside of the existing premises and we can't defeat any existing concealment elements or violate any prior conditions that don't uh, affect those four items I just mentioned. So that's where we are today. Now we fully understand the concerns of the neighbors regarding this existing facility. Verizon actually built this facility in 1995 before the WTS guidelines Uh, and put up uh, a wooden pole with antennas. So it actually, through a building permit, has uh, rights uh, to to maintain a facility here. Conditional use authorization, as you heard, occurred in 97 for Sprint, and that authorization includes reference to the nine Verizon wireless antennas, as well as the four Sprint antennas. As you know, one of the top WTS preferences is to co-locate facilities. And so Verizon's antennas are fully authorized in, in that conditional use authorization. But even if they were not, and we were coming in today to add antennas to this tower, or if at t wanted to put antennas on this tower, that federal law was designed to allow companies to go into an existing facility, and as long as we don't substantially change the physical dimensions of the tower, to add more antennas. So the concept that there's some kind of limit of antennas or that there's no conditional use authorization is, is a fallacy. Now, there have been a number of complaints filed against this facility in 2018, there was a complaint filed saying there were too many antennas. There was was found to be no violation in 2018 by the planning department because there aren't too many antennas. They're all provided for by existing permits. There was also a complaint filed that was just resolved in March of 2022 that there was junk and debris. And there's photos on the the webpage and we have photos. I was out there today, went and visited the site and in the photos you saw earlier, there is no junk in front of the cell tower. Uh, there's, uh, the landlord today is trying to lease up the building. They're actively trying to keep it clean in order to lease up the building. And the, the concerns that you're hearing today are about an existing tower that's been there for 25, 27 years and will continue to be there to serve uh, the community. I wanna make sure, as I mentioned, our liaison is on the line. Every six months we file with the city the name of the liaison for all facilities in San Francisco and that's been going on for for nearly two decades. The WTS guidelines referenced uh, by Mr. Lee were applicable at the time that the Sprint CUA was granted in 1997. The Planning Commission said yes, you comply with those guideline requirements and that's where the decision is made. You can't go back and try and reapply or have new findings of approval subsequent to the existence of a, a facility, a validly existing facility. I mentioned the complaints. There is a complaint that's filed today regarding saying that the permit's only good for 10 years, which is uh, false. Uh, permits were only conditioned with the term after 2016 in San Francisco, and that law is not retroactive. We cited uh, Codes s 2 c saying that that law is, is not retroactive. And anybody can file a complaint. Uh, there's no violation cited, and we think there's gonna be no finding of any kind of violation when that complaint is resolved. So again, this is an antenna swap. Verizon Wireless wants to upgrade its equipment. Uh, The actual number of antennas, one, two, three, will remain the same, except there'll be a double antenna on one side. It'll go up three inches, it'll come out a couple of inches. Our liaisons are available, our permits are valid, and we've laid all of that out in our brief. We'd be happy to answer any questions you have, show some photographs of the site that I went and looked at this afternoon and appreciate uh, your
2: time this evening.
0: Thank you, we have questions from President Swig, Commissioner Limberg, and Commissioner Trisvenia. President Swig.
2: Thank you, um, <clears throat> welcome back, Councilor, it's been a couple of months. Thank you, good to uh, see you in person. Uh, and I'm gonna ask two questions of planning and DBI, so I'm gonna give them, uh, the opportunity to think about it before they're asked. Um, but they're they're pertinent to uh, your testimony. Uh, we heard from the appellant <clears throat> that the uh, the conditional use authorization permit was for four antennas. There are eight antennas there. Therefore, in his view, uh, there are four too many antennas that shouldn't have been there in the first place. I'd like you to comment on that and, and, and if you have the documentation to show the con- conditional use permit that, <clears throat> that features eight antennas, that would be helpful. And if, if not, uh, planning can comment on that. Uh, and, and secondly, um, you know, we run into, we've been talking to each other across the dais for a few years, uh, mm-hmm. we always run into the, the local versus the, the federal Statutes, um, uh, the, the, the local statutes as presented by the appellant um, indicate that it's responsibility of the, um, the antenna, the, the, those who are responsible with the antenna to mask that antenna appropriately uh, so they are in keeping with the neighborhood um you know as you as you drive through the presidio for example and you see a very large antenna with lots of or a large structure lots of antennas you see a faux christmas tree around the the antenna to, to mask it i know you've seen that condition as i have on on many antennas um, what what is your why has not uh this antenna complied to the local statute that says it should fit into the the neighborhood when it's out of character with the neighborhood, which this is certainly a lot larger than most of the installations that you and I have uh, talked about that have been put on telephone poles and light poles. So those are the two questions.
1: Sure, and I appreciate the question. Um, The, uh, and uh, my colleague Melanie Sengupta can perhaps uh, pull up the uh, conditional use authorization. As I mentioned in 1995, Verizon Wireless put up a pole uh, with a building permit. Uh, with nine antennas on it. Uh, And as I mentioned, when the WTS guidelines came on, right after the 96 Telecom Act, uh, then it it created this uh, requirement for the conditional use authorization, Sprint, and it also set uh, nine preferences for uh, location. Number one is actually on city property, number two is co-locations. And so when Sprint came along, they were encouraged uh, to put their antennas where the Verizon Marlis Tower was. Because of the structural strength of the wooden pole, the pole was replaced, A conditional use authorization was granted that encompassed both the nine Verizon wireless antennas and, and at that time four Sprint antennas. Did we find language that yeah. references both?
8: Oh, um, overhead.
9: Melanie we, Sengupta from
1: if representing
9: If we could Verizon. have the overhead, great, thank you. This is exhibit C, which is the same um, planning motion that the appellant refers to. And here in paragraph three, you can see that it talks about the existing GTE antennas. Those are the Verizon antennas. GTE is the predecessor to Verizon. And they're adding the Sprint antennas and replacing the existing pole with a new pole of equal height. Uh,
1: so does that answer your first question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the, the second question uh, was, uh, and we talked about the difference between local and, and federal. Um, And let me jump on the federal just to begin with, as I mentioned, the Middle Class Tax Relief and Job Creation Act of 2012 uh, created this special right for uh, wireless companies to come in and use their new frequency, and Verizon is gonna be putting in their C-band network and CBRS, if you remember the old smokey CB, that frequency is now gonna be used for your wireless phones. And and the, the law says that as long as there's an existing facility, uh, a, a legally permanent existing facility that other antennas can be placed so long as they don't substantially change the physical dimensions of the tower base station. So the federal law clearly preempts in this case. But in, on the local level, um, in your example, uh, you know uh, we're talking about an approval from under the WTS guidelines where this particular facility met the WTS guidelines at the time. And, and, and you and I have been around long enough to know that uh, there was a period of time in San Francisco uh, the, around the 80, 1984 downtown plan, or in, and Sue Hester's initiative, and so forth, when you couldn't put parking in a building, and then you could put parking in a building, but if you built a building like the Transamerica, or if you built a building with no parking, that doesn't mean that when the law changes, you have to go back and put parking on your building. So uh, the concept here is, even under the local law, we have vested rights in in what we've constructed. Now uh, in 2009, a law was passed in California that says the term of a wireless facility can't be unreasonably short, and it said anything less than 10 years is unreasonable. Subsequently, subsequent to that law, many jurisdictions have adopted 10-year terms for their wireless facilities. Now, uh, San Francisco adopted that in 2016, but as I mentioned did not make it retroactive. So for those kinds of facilities that have a term, when you're coming up for a renewal, you can revisit those findings, you can require camouflage, and you can uh, uh, require that other conditions of approval be added. But in this case, uh, even if that law were to apply, it wouldn't apply to this tower until 2026. And it's, it's, it sounds easy to say, can you just swap it out and, and put up a tree? Uh, First of all, a lot of people don't like the trees, and so we have people, particularly in Berkeley, for example, who wanna be able to see the antennas, not the trees, so then what are you gonna make it look like? But second, this this tower is owned uh, after Sprint rebuilt it. It was, uh, T-Mobile is on the billboard. It was, the tower itself was acquired by a company called Crown Castle, And, and so now, in order to swap this tree out for something different, you'd have to get all of the carriers to agree, uh, to do that, along with the landlord and Crown Castle. Um, in addition, you'd have to take all those carriers offline uh, while you were swapping out the tower, and this is right along uh, 101, uh, and, uh, and, and have temporary facilities. It's a, it would be a major disruptive undertaking to try and camouflage this facility for something that people may or may not like. But I would say that under local law, there are vested rights in this facility. It's been constructed, it has building p- permits, and it's in the, in the capacity uh, that it is today. Um, and that uh, it's, it would be possible one day for San Francisco to legislate pre-existing facilities uh, out of existence, but that doesn't, that doesn't uh, stand today. So under those rights, uh, we don't have the ability. Um, the follow-up question is why don't you put in landscape landscaping, Mr. Elbritt, and and again, in this case, Verizon is leasing a piece of the top of the tower. We don't control uh, all the premises uh, around it. Melanie, did you want to add something?
9: Yeah, I just wanted to um, add real quick to your question, President Swig, in Exhibit C, In 1995, at the time when Verizon got this tower approved, this property was zoned as M1 industrial, and so no conditional use authorization was required at that time. So in 1997, there was a subsequent CUP for the sprint antennas, but at the time Verizon put in, this was uh, zoned as industrial, and so there was no CUP requirement.
1: And I think you see this in your other matters where formerly industrial locations are now becoming residential locations. Uh, This is essentially a telephone pole that provides an important infrastructure. Uh, And most people don't want a telephone pole in front of their house, but you can't uh, just remove it and remove the services. That was a way too long answer, I'm very sorry. Did I answer your question?
2: And I'll let Mr. uh, Commissioner Lemberg move
3: from here. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for your very detailed presentation, Mr. I acknowledge the federal preemption here. It's pretty hard to get around, in my opinion. Um, I I question how section 6409 is past constitutional scrutiny, but that's not a question for here or now. Um, My question for you is um, the law states that uh, the local government may not deny uh, a change that substantially changes the physical dimensions. in plain language, what is the change to the physical dimensions uh, from at present to uh, what it'll be after this?
1: Right. Do you want to bring up a photo sim? We have a, a, a photo simulation and we have plans. So I'm not sure how detailed uh, you want to get. Uh, uh, but we'll remove the nine antennas. There, there are three antennas in each set of three sectors so that it looks 360 degrees. Oh, right. Um, uh, all of those go away we put up six, there are six-foot antennas, we put up six antennas, and then on the third mount, we're putting two short antennas, each of them about two to three feet in length. So the general appearance is about the same. Here's the photo sim. So uh,
0: here's the can we zoom in on that? Alec, new system, please. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Better, but maybe down a little?
8: You can move the paper, too. yeah, there you go. Is that
9: good, can you see that?
1: Apologies that we're low-tech tonight.
0: Can you bring it down a little? We're missing the top. Okay, perfect. So
1: So generally, so overall the antennas are going up three inches and they're coming out two inches. And then we're going from uh, nine antennas to 12 antennas, but it's really because we're doubling up two small antennas. And those small antennas will add the new sub six C band for Verizon Wireless, and then the CBRS that I mentioned.
3: So, what I heard is it's changing three inches one direction, two inches in another direction, and is that is that it? That's right. Okay. And the and the in two thousand and fourteen, the FCC
1: I, I defined substantial change to either to be the greater of. 10% of the pole height or 20 feet. So if another carrier came along, they would actually be able to add 20 feet to this pole or bring it out 20 feet. Okay. Uh, and so we're well below that. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Tresvigna.
6: Any other questions? Thank you. Thank you. I, I have some questions, and I appreciate the, your extended answer to President Swig because it was very educational. Uh, I think to every everyone, and I think in in this matter, as well as other matters that have come before this, you have two two sides or multiple sides, and it's the perver- proverbial description of an elephant. You you describe and you you rely heavily on the on the on the federal law that in effect or actually ties our hands, and the uh, the the. Uh, uh, other side describes the conditions and what has existed there. There's a great deal of confusion, and it helps to get things on the record. Your your presentation certainly helps us as as, as 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 the previous speaker. You describe the 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 COA as a sprint COA, and as I understand it, you are saying that uh, your client was there first, but didn't need a conditional uh, use approval. And that's and and that's why. Well, we focus on the 97 CUA. Are you? Are, is 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 your client a party to that?
1: Well, it's a good question. As you, we just showed you in the CUA itself provides for the Verizon antennas, so it's included in the 97 Sprint CUA. Uh, were they? In, were we an applicant? Uh, I don't believe we were an applicant in 97. Um, but as as you alluded to. Uh, under the federal law today, if Verizon wanted, didn't have any antennas there at all and wanted to add antennas to a sprint tower, we could do that so long as we didn't substantially change the physical dimensions of the tower. So the, the actual ownership of the, or who has the, C, the conditional use authorization doesn't really matter today, so long as the structure was properly permitted at the time it was constructed. And if the pr- structure was properly permitted under the federal law, then any carrier can add antennas to that structure so long as they don't substantially change the physical dimensions of that tower
6: or, at or the defeat same, concealment elements. At the same time, though, the COA has uh, mm. ongoing, imposes ongoing obligations on Sprint as the applicant in 97. Is it your view that your client does not have, does not uh, have those obligations that are in the COA of '97. The the obligations today actually are on the tower owner, Crown Castle,
1: um, and we're here uh, on their behalf as well. I don't. There are findings in that conditional use authorization and general uh, preferences, as there are throughout the WTS guidelines. A lot of what you heard are the uh, standard uh, WTS. Uh, general conditions of approval. They're in the WTS guidelines and they end up in the CUA. Uh, but there are no specific conditions that say we have to, you know, that you have to put in trees, it's 27 trees and maintain them and, and that sort of thing. So I believe that the conditional use authorization is valid, there's no violation of any conditions or no, no indication from the planning department or anybody else that any of the conditions of approval have been violated uh, for that facility.
6: But my question is, are you, are you the, the conditions that are placed in that document, do they, you say they apply to the owner and you're also here on behalf of the owner? Yeah, of the tower. Right.
1: Yeah, they're abs- they abs- of course, conditions apply. So we have to, for example, um, this site was tested in uh, August of 2021 under uh, the standard condition that requires a project impact report every two years. San Francisco, the only jurisdiction in California that has this, um, uh, and it showed that there were tests of the RF emissions in August 2021, uh, showing that the facility is operating well within the FCC guidelines and standards, just a few percentage of the RF emissions on the ground um, that are allowed under the federal law. It also requires that, we, that there is a submission of, this, of a five-year plan, uh, and the five-year plans are submitted every six months, Verizon Wireless, along with SPRINT separately, uh, uh, files every six months, all of its sites, the community liaison, the number of antennas, the compliance with the PIR, so we're complying with all of those conditions of approval.
6: Well, as I read the RF uh, emissions part of the document, that was the 145 pages that are part of the record for this hearing, uh, there are different RF emission levels uh, at different parts of the property, is that right? That's correct.
1: And I do have the uh, experts on the line who, from uh, SiteSafe, who prepared the calculations for uh, this property. But um, RF emissions are a lot like light. Uh, and the power, the uh, effective radiated power, decreases uh, exponentially. So as you double the distance, the quadruple reduction in, in power. And, so, and then you've got a pattern. So you maybe saw some of the graphics that were in that report. Uh, there's a lobe that comes out from the antenna. The antennas are set up so that they send signal to the horizon like a fan, so that it gets out as far as it can without going straight down to the ground. And then there's a, a lobe that comes off it. There's something called the near field effect, so the amount of energy at the base of the tower is actually lower than it might be, a little bit further away from the tower. So you have varying levels of, uh, of the uh, effective radiated power of the antenna. Uh, off into the distance. Because it dissipates quickly, uh, the small cells that we work on, it dissipates within a few feet. In this case, uh, a larger antenna like this, it may go up to 10s or 20s of of feet, but it's up in the air. And that's the reason the antennas are up in the air, uh, and nobody can get in front of them, and that's why uh, it complies. There's no area on the ground or any building where the emissions exceed the FCC standards. And in fact, they're way below the. What's allowed by the FCC well
6: that's true except for as you note people can't get to them but work workers can get to them that's right and and under under CoA 7a3 requires multilingual signage to express the danger of of that to to workers city workers your workers other other workers that's who correct who may be there as I look through the documents that you presented, i don't see multilingual signage i see signage in english and this is a re- this is a requirement of the cua but is is it is it appropriate to express it to you or does that go someplace else
1: well i know that there is uh, warning signage actually there's caution signage right now one of the recommendations of this when we uh, perform this upgrade uh, will be to uh, swap out the caution signage for warning signage, which is a slightly correct, higher correct. level. Yes, um, I was at the site today, I took photographs of the site today, and I can't speak personally as to whether the signs, th- those signs are, are multilingual. The signs on the tower are for uh, workers who are going to climb the tower and who are supposed to have training uh, to go up there. And uh, there's actually a different standard a different uh, level of emissions that's uh, required for workers versus the general public. Uh, and the workers is actually f- uh, four, t- uh, five times higher than the level for the public. So uh, it, it's a completely different arrangement for occupational and, and what's required in terms of warning signage and all. So I believe the warning signage, and, and maybe the site safe people, maybe you can uh, uh, Tune in for me, but warning: occupational warning signage. I, I don't think there's any federal requirement for multilingual. That's a that's a state or city requirement, and
6: I believe it only applies
1: to the, uh, well, we, are public, the, the public we, we are the city public We are the city.
6: and you've expressed it more than once, then and, and and you've hidden appropriately behind the fact that the federal government has tied our hands, but they haven't tied our hands on everything, and under the use uh, the conditional use agreement of 7A3. It requires multilingual signage. Did it you, doesn't matter whether a, the same damage will occur to a worker if there's a worker or a member of the public or an official from your, from your client. So that—that's what I want to point out is that in everything that I have seen in the materials that have been provided, the requirement for there to be multilingual signage has not been complied with, and that may get far afield from what we have here today but I do want to draw it to your attention.
1: Okay, and, and uh, I will not answer on the, the spot, and we will make sure that we are fully in compliance. I believe that ab- applies to public exposure and not occupational exposure. Um, and, uh, but we, uh, I think Verizon has worked very hard, I know I've worked with the RF engineers, even when they've been out there testing, to make sure we're out there every two, two years, we're making all the necessary tests and, and fully in compliance. With the uh, exposure requirements. Thank you very much. Thank you for your questions.
0: Commissioner Epler.
10: Thank you. <clears throat> While we're on the uh, topic of the conditions of the conditional use uh, permit, um, how does the site um, comply with 7B1, which says that the antennas and backup equipment shall be painted, fenced, landscape, or otherwise treated architecturally so as to minimize visual impacts? Do you think? That, that particular antenna minimizes its visual impact.
1: Well, I think they were painted uh, as required, under, painted as they were required under the, in the plans and in that approval, uh, and so they they all are painted to match the color of the tower. Or the color—it's all one uniform uh, color. If that's what you're what you're asking.
10: Yeah, uh, it was because it's it's a very striking structure, and so I'm not sure if it's been treated architecturally so as to minimize its impact.
1: You know, the uh, I said I've been doing this a really long time, uh, and uh, in fact, you know, we were when we first started putting uh, antenna equipment up in 1984. Uh, there was a different aesthetic, I think, um, but that was what was being accepted. You look at that 97 approval, and it says uh, the carrier says that they will require. Uh, roughly 40 sites uh, in order to cover uh, San Francisco. And there aren't many more than macro sites. Uh, There may be three score sites, macro sites. But uh, as President Swig knows, we now have 600 small cells in the town and you've probably seen those on light poles all over town. Uh, And so the the industry has changed uh, quite a bit. But you've got this infrastructure uh, that, for better or for worse, established a base service level in the city uh, and continues to do so today without having to redo uh, everything. But facilities that were on Sutro Tower are gone. Facilities on Mount Pius are gone that used to provide a large, large carrier, large areas. So there is there is this progression and what was uh, acceptable then may not be acceptable now. But as I was saying with respect to vested rights and the term of a permit and so forth, these are the, the rights that Verizon Wireless uh, and Crown uh, have today. Thank you.
0: Okay. I don't see any further questions. Thank you. We will now hear I from I really
1: the... appreciate your questions, and we're available to answer any further questions you may have. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from the Planning Department.
11: Good evening, President Swig, Vice President Lopez, and members of the board. I'm Tina Tam, Deputy Zoning Administrator. 1431 San Bruno Avenue is an undeveloped lot in the MUR, Mixed-Use, Residential Zoning District. According to the tax assessor's records, the use is a parking lot. The permit is to remove nine antennas on an existing monopole and replace them with 12 new antennas. The project qualifies as an EFR eligible facilities request as defined by the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, as there is already an existing wireless facility on the property. The existing monopole is located at the raremost part of the property adjacent to the 101 freeway. And here's a picture of the monopole. The monopole is about 55 feet in height. It was first erected on a wooden pole in 1995. The monopole originally had nine GTE antennas on it, and this is documented on building permit number 9420985. Here's the permit. I don't know how to zoom out, sorry. This is the actual building permit for the poles and antennas. And as you can see, it says to install the wooden poles and antenna. Um, Here's a permit number or the stamps approval from the city. On the plan sets, it includes elevations of the new pole itself. And then on the sectors, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, antennas. As you heard from the applicant, GTE later became Verizon. Going back to the photograph of the monopole, um, you see in this in this picture. There's also a billboard. That billboard also has antennas on it, but just to be clear, this billboard is not part of the subject property, it's actually on the adjacent lot um, owned by a separate property owner. In 1997, as part of the CUA, conditional Use Authorization Request, filed by Sprint, the Planning Commission approved four more antennas on this existing monopole. Their decision was based on the findings that additional antennas were necessary and desirable and compatible with the neighborhood character. This was documented in Motion Number 14328 as part of Case Number 97.043C. In 2014, the FCC approved Section 6409 of the Spectrum Act, which requires local government to approve any e FRs when modifying an existing wireless facility um, tower or base station. This includes wholesale replacement of the entire support structure in some cases or changes to the existing wireless facility including the addition of new antennas so long as there is no substantial change as defined by the FCC. And substantial change occurs when there's new height to the tower that is greater than 10% of the existing height or when the new width of the tower is more than 20 feet. Based upon the review of the proposed plans, the project meets the eligibility requirements. The project is part of an already existing wireless facility and will not result in a substantial change. The height of the monopole will increase about three inches in height, and the protrusion of the panels will be between three to five feet, as measured from the center line of the pole. This is well below the established criteria set forth by the FCC in terms of substantial change. According to the appellant, there are numerous concerns with this permit. Um, Number one. Um, there are violations on the property specifically. There are only five antennas legally approved on the poll as you heard That is not the case based upon permits in the CU between 1995 97 there are actually 13 approved antennas tenants on the poll not five Issue number two the property does not comply with the conditions of the approved CUA in 97 specifically the appellant alleges there are no community liaison, liaison identified for the facility Again, this is not the case. All wireless carriers are required to submit a five-year plan, which includes the name of the community liaison um, for each of their wireless site. And for 1431 San Bruno Avenue, we do have somebody by the name of Mr. Lex Numos. Um, it's his phone number is 916-205-4515. His contact information is recorded with the planning department. It's available for any members of the public upon request. Issue number three, the RF radio frequency emissions will cause health concerns and impacts to nearby residents. As stated in numerous WTS documents, the FCC does establish the public health standards for for RF emissions. All carriers must submit emissions report and demonstrate how the site is within the FCC thresholds for RF emissions, it's important to note that the FCC specifically prohibits local jurisdictions from denying wireless facilities for public health concerns if the site meets the FCC thresholds. As noted by the, by the um, applicant, the Department of Public Health have conducted the review of the RF emissions report and determined the project will comply with the FCC thresholds and regulations. Number four, um, the project should be modified so that there is concealment of the antennas by either painting, fencing, and landscaping. As stated earlier in my presentation, the site falls within the the section 6409 of the Spectrum Act. Um, This review process for this project is ministerial, and no screening is required.
8: 30 seconds.
11: in conclusion, the department believes that the permit was properly reviewed, approved, and issued. The department recommends to the board to deny the appeal, and uphold the issuance of the permit. That concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Commissioner Tresvigna has a question. Uh,
6: thank you. And, and as usual, you have a very clear presentation, which helps educate uh, the parties. The are the, the, my colleagues and. Uh, and and the public. Um, two two questions, and, and part of the part of the process that I see is again trying to bring trying to get questions answered that prompt these the the the, the proceedings that come before us. And the and Mr. Lee described or was quoting um, Verizon's uh, presentation that there were twenty antennas on the roof of fourteen thirty one San Bruno Avenue and you've described uh, described 1431 San Bruno Avenue as an undeveloped lot. Can you help uh, try to reconcile the two versions of of what either Verizon said or what is out there? Thank
11: you. Um, I'm gonna put up the photograph of the site once again. Um, For the purposes of this permit, um, we're, we're basically just talking about the monopole. Again, like I mentioned earlier, there are antennas on the on the on the billboard, and I'm not sure because I didn't investigate the number of antennas on the billboard itself because it's a separate property under a separate ownership. But for the monopole for this site, 1431 San Bruno Avenue, we went through the permit records and did determine, and, and this was brought up in 2018. Um, as a complaint about there being too many antennas, possibly illegal antennas, on the property. And we determined, based upon permit records, including the permit that I just referenced in the 94 permits, um, there are um, legally um, 9 plus 4, 13 um, antennas um, approved for the site. I don't think there's. I don't think there's 13 antennas. I think there are like maybe nine on top, two in the bottom, far less than that. So they're well within the number of legal antennas on the property. That's our conclusion that we were able to close out the complaint case in 2019 as
6: such. Great. Well, perhaps I can ask Mr. Lee how he got the impression that there's a representation of 20 on the roof when, as you've demonstrated through the photos, that uh, there's something else there. The second question I had is uh, you've 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 responded to Mr. Lee's um, allegations of failures to comply with the CUA. Uh, where is that is that appropriate for us to consider? Uh, because there is the one that I mentioned about the lack of signage. Is are if if it's not appropriate for us to consider the uh, not complying with the CUA, then who does consider that, and where can Mr. Lee and others go to have those concerns uh, adjudicated?
11: Yes, thank you, that's a, it's a really good question. Um, we have our enforcement um, team on the planning department, and the, the you know the person who investigated the number of illegal or possibly illegal antennas will do the investigation. If there's a complaint or concern about um, non-compliance with the conditions of approval um, for the property, we can certainly go out there, do our investigation, and determine whether that's the case or not. And we'll go through the enforcement process, provide them with warning, due process to to address the concern or the, the violation and so that the property can be brought back into compliance. Um, there's a process for that with the planning department and we're, we're very good at doing that. Great, thank you. President Swig.
6: Yep, a
2: couple minor questions. Um, the, 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 the whole issue of uh, fitting in with the character of the neighborhood and having a, a, a poll which is clearly and not in keeping with the character of the neighborhood which is now a residential neighborhood um, is that and and we heard testimony that um, that 's the from mr Albright, and that 's basically the way it is, and we 're protected by other statutes um, versus the, the the commentary that we 're in the city of San Francisco and the residential neighborhood there is an issue about character we see it and just about every week when it comes to a a deck that shouldn't be there, a building that shouldn't be there, a fence that shouldn't be there, whatever, character of the neighborhood is very important. Um, How how does planning deal with this issue of character of the neighborhood when you have a 10, 20, Mm -hmm. 30-foot pole with a a sculpture at the top of it that kinda doesn't fit into the rest of the neighborhood?
11: Well, the, the neighborhood has always been mixed. You have the residential um, development on the north side of the property. You have the the freeway behind it. And you have a public park across the street. Um, That's been the case. It's been the case in 95, as well as 97, when the um, CU was was presented before the Planning Commission. It was previously zone M1 manufacturing, light industrial. In fact, the, the JSON property where the billboard's located has an industrial use. Um, screening was not made part of the conditions of approval in ninety in ninety-seven. That's the baseline. And for us to under this current sort of um, section of 6409 to ask for that, we just don't have that ability to do so.
2: Okay, I mean, it's a question that's brought up by the appellant and it's fair for the appellant to get that information, that's why I ask. Um, uh, secondly, I, I know we are focused upon uh, anten- uh, a permit which is about antennas on top of a, a tall pole. Um, uh, Mr. Albritton brought up the fact that there is a building uh, you referenced that it's a, a parking lot. Mr. Albritton said there's a building, I believe, quote, but we'll say it's a paraphrase that the that the owner of the property is trying to lease. Unquote. Uh, um, if there are other, um, and, and I am I'm making the the assumption that the owner of the property receives um, a payment as a uh, from a from a lessee of that space that the that the, the pole occupies uh, as a, you know, as a tenant, uh, where, where, even though we're talking and I want to keep it tight, because, you know, again, I always invoke Ann Lazarus, she sits on my shoulder saying, don't get sideways on this, Rick. But, you know, where, where there is a, a piece of land which may be occupied by a pole, and there are other uh, issues on on that owner's land um, that, that have the, the the appellant brought up uh, the graffiti broken fences uh, un, unattended uh, issues on the sidewalk etc 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 where where does that impact other elements on the land I'm not questioning whether um, Verizon has the opportunity to change that poll. Um, but when we are hearing other cases and there are notices of violations on on a property that might be completely aside from the, the permit, um, it's an all stop until those other violations are cured and and remedies are are made so in in this case um and this is a key issue for the appellant um with regards to the sidewalk with regard to the graffiti with regard to other elements of the property which may have um may be breaching uh, the law uh, how will this how can this uh, how can this other stuff be wrapped up into Um, the issuance of this permit, so the property is properly remediated?
11: Yes, thank you so much. Um, That's an excellent question. Um, It is a known fact that that this this particular property was the subject of multiple enforcement actions um, for the planning department. We've worked really hard diligently for years with a property owner who's the responsible party um, for the case of what's happening on the property, whether it's the pole or graffiti, blight, et cetera. Um, I want to go ahead and just kind of put up a, a photograph of before and after. The photograph on top is how it used to be. You had garbage. You had old, um, inoperable vehicles. You had debris. You had a junkyard, an illegal junkyard on the property that our enforcement planner worked really hard with the property owner, with the help of the city attorney's office, to remove all of it. And which we have today is the photograph in the bottom with all that cleaned up. Will there still be graffiti? Possibly. But we do have also a a graffiti abatement program with the Department of Public Works. And so I encourage the neighbors and the appellant, whoever's concerned about this property, the upkeepers of this property, to engage with the planning department and the Department of Public Works to make sure the property remains clean, orderly, and safe. but in terms of the monopole itself and the intent that's before us, we're looking at it from the standpoint of it complying with the FCC in section 6409, and it meets it, we're supporting it at this point.
2: So, um, um, I'm, I'm really looking out for the, the appellant and the citizens of San Francisco uh, at the, you know, at, at maybe some inadvertent collateral damage to uh, the uh, Mr. Albritton's uh, client but is uh, can we uh, can we use this opportunity uh, since uh, since the, bene- the beneficiary of this the beneficiary of this act act will continue to be the property owner because the property owners get paid right um, can we can we use this action of approval and place some conditions on it uh, to make sure that NOVs are cleared and the property is properly brought up to, to a standard compliant to city statutes, not anything to do with the poll, before we uh, approve, um, allow this permit to move forward, even though it's compliant.
11: Right. Uh, I'll defer that to the city attorney, but in terms of what's happening right now, we don't have an active violation on the property. Okay. Uh, we have a complaint and the complaint is the same complaint we got in 2018 that there are too many legal antennas uh, more than likely we'll relook at the, the the information unless there's new information that we didn't have before and we missed uh we will likely close out the complaint
2: okay so as far but as there's you're... no
11: violation that i know of of this property at this point
2: so what, what what i saw was a sidewalk in disrepair which uh to me is a trip and fall and and a risk to citizens walking along that thoroughfare um, and there was uh, there was other Stuff uh, again pictures tell a thousand words, but those pictures may be inaccurate uh, But I just want to I want to find out if we can use this action tonight uh, To assist the, the neighborhood in cleaning getting its act or getting somebody to clean up the act. Yep. Okay, thank you
0: mm-hmm. Commissioner
10: um, yes, I'd like to follow up on a question uh, that uh, Commissioner Tresvenia asked. Um, with respect to the conditions and the conditional use, um, the very handy uh, zoning administrator bulletin uh, that was provided um, says that in order for to qualify as a as an eligible uh, facility replacement, you need, um, compliance with prior permit conditions, is that correct? And so, you know, getting into the federal structure requires that the 97 conditional use be, that they are in compliance with it, correct? That's correct. Okay, I wanted to make sure that was clear because I didn't get that a little bit earlier. The second question then, and you know, sorry to be hung up on this, but, so it seems like are we are we stuck with what would have been considered minimized visual impacts in 1997 like since that's when the condition for minimized visual impacts of the facility was put in place
11: um i think the findings that were made um in 1997 by the planning commission was that it 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 was minimally impactful visually um with the way it's designed they didn't put in conditions they didn't ask for additional screening or um, masking or concealment of the antennas, um, the antennas were approved as they were presented to them at the time.
10: Got it, uh, yeah, the, the conditions were, were in the attachment, the exhibit A, the general conditions. And so um, that that's why I ask, because I mean, I have seen the, that antenna many, many times uh, while going north on 101. Um, so, okay. Thank you for that.
0: Thank you, Vice President Lopez
12: Hey, thank you for your presentation. uh just a couple things one one out of curiosity, do you know if if that park was there in ninety five when when this first went out?
11: I'm not sure i was I wasn't working at the planning department in ninety five sure. um I can go back and check
12: that's that's fine
11: My assumption that it is.
12: Got it, okay. It's not a new park. Got it. Um, And then separately, um, you know, we we have a kind of layered, nuanced, complex, uh, you know, I would say like a legal framework, right? With respect to uh, preemption issues, uh, the dates of different approvals that, you know, different ownership, Permits and approvals being kind of grandfathered in, uh, you know, past kind of new later requirements. And then I think there's also some kind of basic questions of fact that also seem to be kind of unclear, um, at least uh, potentially to the public and, and, and to the appellant. Um, what kind of communication do you, does your office have with uh you know not just with this appellant in the instant case but you know with potential appellants as they're you know considering um an appeal and what to include in such an appeal is there you know communication about kind of that you know legal framework or some of the factual uh you know results from your investigations and kind of regular kind of check-ins on the property
11: from the enforcement side, um, we communicate with um, the complainant. Um, they, if they provide their contact information to us, they don't always, sometimes they're anonymous. Um, when they do, they call us and reach out to the, the assigned enforcement planner. We'll provide them with updates and tell them what's the status of the enforcement process, maybe um, with regards to their, their complaint. Um, with regards to the um, the wireless facility that's that's the whole reason why we have a community liaison person um, on record we we're not engineers uh, by training we're planners Um, any specific questions related to health concerns or or our permissions should ideally go to the community liaison person but um, anything else regarding the property itself um, if it's on the private side of the property, we certainly would be happy to go ahead and um, investigate, look into research, and provide information to the public, neighbors, um, appellants, complainants, etc. However, if, it, if the activity or the the concern falls within the public right of way, um, that's the Department of Public Works. I'm not I'm not going to be able to go ahead and provide clarity about uh, what to do with the the curb or the broken sidewalk, um, as well as somebody at the Department of Public Works would be able to.
12: Sorry, Uh, in your experience, would the, would the community liaison be in a position to give background on, you know, some of these preemption questions and things like that? Are they mainly kind of, you know, health, you know, public health kind of uh, focus? So, yep,
11: yeah, absolutely. They're the ones that are supposed to provide um, information, reports if, if the members of the public ask for them, updated information about who's, who's the new carrier, uh, what the new plans may be uh, regarding upgrades and et cetera. They're the right people because they're part of the, the, the wireless facility that will have that in, inside information, not so much planning.
12: Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, there are no further questions. Uh, We will now hear from the Department of Building Inspection.
13: Uh, Good evening, commissioners, my name is Matthew Green, I'm representing the Department of Building Inspection this evening. Um, The permit before you, after receiving Planning Department approval, uh, went through the um, structural plan check, the mechanical plan check, it was checked by the fire department and the health department and approved and issued on October 14th, sorry, uh, September 28th, 2022. Um, the, the appellant mentioned that there was a, um, the approval was rescinded. Um, I don't see any record of that happening. There is a vague message in our um, permit tracking system that I could see why you could uh, get that impression, but, but that's inaccurate. The, per- the approval was never rescinded. Um, the appellant also said there are several complaints on this property. Uh, there are actually no active complaints to this property. There's been several complaints over the years. The last one was closed on May 3rd, 2021. That complaint was for an uh, illegal demolition. Uh, it was it turned out to be um, invalid complaint. Uh, the inspector went out there. There was no work being performed. Um, there is an active complaint on the lot next door for the um, abandoned building. Um, the, the owner of that building will have to uh, register that as a vacant building. Um, That was just investigated a couple days ago. Um, So I would say the department recommends this permit is approved properly and should be upheld. I'm available for any questions you may have.
0: Thank you, I don't see any questions at this time. No, thank you. (laughs) Okay, we are now moving on to public comment. Is there anyone here for public comment? Please raise your hand. Okay, I don't see anyone, so we'll move on to rebuttal. Mr. Lee, you have three minutes
7: thank you uh, i'll just share this once again uh, two things just to follow up uh, i'm not saying uh that there's 20 antennas on a building here that's the department of health uh saying that so here's their document for this site uh from uh, uh environmental health inspector patrick Fosdall. Um 31. 31- here is his statement on this site, 1431 San Bruno Avenue. There are 20 antennas existing, operated by Ver- Verizon and other wireless carriers installed on the rooftop of the building at 1431 San Bruno Avenue. That is not me. That is the Department of Health stating that. Uh, that's why there's all this confusion on this site. In addition, I'm disappointed by the uh, planning department representatives uh, disclosure to you this evening. First of all, uh, the adjacent property 1435 is included in that additional, uh, initial conditional use. Uh, so that conditional uh, uh, use was for 1431 and 1435. Uh, it's the same property owner uh, so uh, the the uh, and it and the um, the violations are DBI violations. The sidewalk is in disrepair. There's a fire hazard. Uh, as the uh, DBI representative just said, uh, the building is abandoned. It's covered with graffiti. So. Uh, I appreciate the commissioners asking questions and not treating this as trivial. We are not trying to uh, stop development uh, or even prevent Verizon from making money. We just want the property uh, maintained. Um, I I would like to follow up to say that um, just to show you um, uh, this is uh, the uh, Google Maps uh, from uh, 2014. Uh, the conditional use for this property states that uh, the uh, not just the antenna tower, but the, ground equipment, the ground equipment must be uh, uh, minimized uh, its visual disruption uh, to this residential home. How can you say to the occupant of this home uh, that this site complies with that conditional use, it does not. Uh, previously, there was opaque fencing because the owners, the same owners, uh, occupied an illegal chop shop, uh, and they were not sucked down by planning. They were shut
8: Thank down. you. That's time.
2: Okay.
7: Thank, Thank you. you,
0: Mr. Lee. We have a question from President Swig.
2: Um, I, I tried to go down your list. Of uh, of complaints and uh, I found and you heard the the line of questioning um, with regard to uh, the the federal the federal rules that um, uh, that overrule the any any city or state uh, mandates um, I, I asked about uh, and and. May I, may I just uh, remind you that this is a permit related to the ad- the address listed, and even though uh, you may or may or may not be right, I'm not going to question that that you that next door is the same owner. Um, it's still 1431 San Bruno. And the the permit that's being requested there that is discussion tonight. So, um, uh, unfortunately, in this hearing room, we can't talk about what's happening next door. Um, but you know, again, going back uh, with regard to the the pole, the antenna. Um, uh, I did you hear the same testimony that I did that um, the number of antennas. Uh, there the le- the legality of those antennas existence um the the adjustments are all within um, the, the 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 legal program as mandated by uh federal statutes first of all and and I'm going to ask the questions and you can respond uh and and second of all uh, I brought up the issues of um uh, of your claims that there were other uh, abuses going on with regard to uh, um, th- things that were were not compliant with city statutes and was assured by both uh, planning and by uh, DBI that there are no outstanding um, claims, no notices of violations or any other ac- activities currently in play even though planning did say um, <clears throat> that the history and the property isn't very good uh, but it has been cleaned up um, and so I have I, I, tried to address all your issues and I was I had clarity on the answers are, are those did I did I miss anything or did you hear this board not uh, address your your issues tonight and do you have any what are the what are the, the your big issues um, at this point in the process. Uh,
7: thank you. Yes, um, I think uh, you brought up very valid questions. I appreciate that, that you were not just dismissing this. Um, my uh, issues are one, the sidewalk, which I believe is a uh, DPW violation. Um, I'm not sure who enforces that, so I would like as part of conditions of approval, that the sidewalk be repaired. Uh, And two, I understand that you are limited to what you can impose based on this federal regulation. However, I still dispute the fact that the the original uh, conditions of approval are not met. Uh, From the window of this home, you can basically very well see that this area was not uh fenced uh and opaque i gave you an example of the at and site on potrero avenue you know it's very presentable it's uh you know it's not great it's an offense with basically astroturf but at least it blends in this does not blend in at all so how can they say it, it complies with the original um uh, conditional use um uh, like I said, we're not opposed to development. We just want the owner to maintain the property and for the conditions of approval uh, uh, to be respected. Um, The property owner uh, basically gets a check from Verizon and they get a check from these two billboards you also see in the background uh, and they just let their property go to hell. Um, Yeah. I,
2: I, I thank you for, thank you for, uh your answers i'm going to as a result of your answer i'm going to um ask both the permit holder and dbi uh, dbi and planning to comment on the on the requirement of fenestration and a, 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 a uh the requirement or or your your alleged um view that that should be a requirement ongoing on the on the property, um, and then with regard to the the broken sidewalk, we all see it. Unfortunately, uh, there there hasn't been a complaint, uh, therefore there is no notice of violation, and um, so uh, w- w- uh, I would recommend. And I'm going to ask uh, DBI uh, or Planning. It doesn't matter; either one uh, can address the question of Even though there's, a notice, there's no notice of violation, there may be clearly a broken sidewalk, which you know I, I noted uh, could be a trip and fall and a, and a hazard to the community. So, uh, what does Mr. Lee do about uh, getting this, calling this, att- calling this to the attention of the, the, the city oh, authorities?
7: Correct. There is a, there is a deed restriction on the property for the sidewalk and as you can see from the photos i showed it's marked by um the white x's from uh dpw so there's most definitely a complaint uh for this parcel for the
2: sidewalk i'm going to i'm i'm going to thank you very much for that <clears throat> and i'm just going to uh end our conversation uh by asking again uh since uh, since the city is represented today by dpw DBW is not here, by uh, planning and by DBI, uh, maybe they can uh, cast some light on that, uh, that issue of uh, a yeah, sidewalk you. which we've all seen is, is marked with X's and, and clearly not in good, good condition. We don't have the ability to, to see that or comment on that. So uh, thank you very much, I'm, I'm done.
0: Okay, we will now hear from the permit holders. You have three minutes thank you
2: good evening again paul albritton
1: and melanie sengupta first as you've heard there are three parcels here uh, we're on the north parcel which has the tower the parcel to the south has the building and the billboard and then the parcel parcel further to the south is vacant in the one that was cleaned up because of garbage so it's important to know that um, and in terms of the, the signage i want to point out i was out there today um there's, a, you know, around the parking lot itself, a huge chain link fence with razor wire on top, and then inside of that is another fence, which has the compound, which is has the signage, which is where the only the employees of Verizon, AT&T, and Crown Castle would uh, be entering. So, in the entire that the entire parking lot, the RF emissions are below uh, requirements in terms of the, the signage requirements. Um, the I wanted to say there was a carrier that did sue San Francisco and won on this eligible facilities request. Uh, We didn't do that. We went to the planning department and got a letter of determination from the planning director to Verizon to tell us exactly how to follow through and not be in conflict with the city on these applications and that's exactly the process that we, we followed in this case. With respect to the 20 antennas, those appear in the Department of Public Health report because they take all the energy from all the antennas in determining that this complies with FCC standards. So even though Verizon uh, has the, the number of antennas that we're, we're talking about, uh, 12, it, it, the 20 are taken into account by DPH in order to make sure that the, the property fully complies. Um, I mentioned the three parcels. I did want to focus on the condition of the of the the property, as I went out to it today, the the parcel that we're talking about is clean and uh, has has the fencing, the sidewalk in front of the parcel we're talking about actually is is in as far as I can tell is in in good condition, um, and uh, with respect to the the uh, compliance with these general conditions, please recognize these are general conditions that come out of the the, the WTS and this this. Uh, you know how broad it can be to fit the the community character and to minimize the visual impact. We comply with the specific conditions that were imposed on this facility, but it's way too subjective and uh, uh, impossible for anybody to comply with generalized conditions that we must minimize the the visual impact. And that's the decision the Planning Commission makes uh, when it's made. Otherwise, you would have no vested rights in any permit because people would change their mind under these general conditions that are generally uh, brought in. 30 second. AM I DONE?
0: YOU HAVE 30 SECONDS.
1: Uh, WELL, AGAIN, THIS IS, a, is SIMPLY uh, AN ANTENNA, stop, antenna SWAP. Uh, WE'RE DOING IT SO THAT WE CAN KEEP UP WITH THE DEMAND IN SAN FRANCISCO, uh, WHICH HAS uh, DOUBLED IN THE LAST FOUR YEARS. IF YOU CAN IMAGINE, doubling the number of people in San Francisco in four years, the kind of demand that we're trying to keep up with, and that's the need to to rapidly allow this to happen so we can continue to provide service to the emergency responders.
8: Thank you.
0: Thank you. you. We have questions from Commissioner Trisvina and Commissioner Epler.
6: Thank you, and and thank you again, Mr. Albritton. We do appreciate the service that your client provides to the the everyday life of San Franciscans. As I review the um, 1997 CUA, in that uh talks about the, the requirements of the project the project sponsor um, or its successors where does your client fit in that not at all a successor a lessee i think that uh let me put it this way
1: i'm here today <laughs> uh we uh Responded to the complaint, even though we're we're not named for the complaint. Uh, Verizon Wireless is vigilant about its uh, its permits and its obligations uh, to the city of San Francisco. The principal, uh, uh, I would say, contractually right now, under a master lease situation, you start with with Crown Castle, who's supposed to respond and and keep the site up to compliance in order to uh, work with its subtenants, which would be Sprint and, and Verizon. Uh, but Verizon has billion dollar FCC licenses that it's not going to risk uh, by not complying with any of these um, requirements. So uh, we pay rent to our landlord that Crown pays their rent to the to the property owner and I have to tell you the property did change hands in June of this year, and I think that the owners are are working towards uh, making this property compliant and attractive to a, a new tenant for the adjacent parcel, as I mentioned. so, hopefully there'll be a change of, uh, for the future of the property. Uh, so if, if, the cha- if the permit were challenged through some kind of uh, notice of violation, and if one of these conditions of approval uh, was challenged so that we actually got a notice of violation and had an opportunity to cure that violation, I can promise you that Verizon Wireless would be right there. Uh, to, res- to resolve whatever that notice of violation was in terms of the violation of any condition of approval, because it's in- essential for them to maintain this facility as part of their network. Uh, I hope that answered your question.
6: Uh, it, 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 it does in a way to that represents your your social responsibility in, in, uh, as, as a as a component of San Francisco or as, as a part of the community. Um, it's It's not exactly clear whether, uh, it would be unfair to hold you, you, your client, the uh, vote so tonight on on conditions that were not met, that are not yours to meet. Uh, and so I, I, I wanna be clear that, that uh, I think I or others could go overboard in, in putting responsibility on your client that doesn't appropriately belong. And I was just hoping to get some clarity as, as, as to that point.
1: We have a vested right that we think goes back to 1995. Uh, but again, if, uh, if the permit were challenged in a way that would affect Verizon's network, uh, Verizon would, would, in the corporate interest, frankly, step up to make sure that that uh, poll remained part of its network. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Appler?
10: Um, Yes, or, or, I mean, the other alternative would be to, I mean, if there were a credible um, condition that was not being met that required us to not... Um, or to grant the appeal, then you would be meeting the condition, you know, it's probably not a not a big hurdle. Um my I wanted to clarify because we've had a couple different addresses and you mentioned a couple different parcels floating around and just to make sure that we're we're on the same page, frankly that I'm on the same page. Um we have fourteen thirty one San Bruno and that's the site on which the antenna question and the antennas at question are, correct?
1: I wish I could very clearly answer this question for you. Okay. I believe there's 1435 and 1431 are both mentioned in the conditional use authorization, but the conditional use authorization covered both the billboard and the tower. And then there's 1427. I believe is the third parcel. Got it.
10: And 1427 contains
1: the. When I was out there today, it, it was mostly cleaned up, and I think it's got the sidewalk issue. And then somebody, it was clean except for somebody obviously just lobbed a rug over there. And, uh, and in fact, there's actually a little utility box that's partly in the sidewalk that seems to have been there for quite a long time. I don't know what the utility is.
10: Since, since the addresses are confusing, maybe we should discuss the lots that are on, in the conditional use authorization. It mentions lots 28 and 29. Can you, is that more clear what's on lot 28 versus lot 29?
1: That'd be the north and the middle parcels. Okay, So and, and south, middle, north.
10: that lot 29 is only the billboard?
1: Uh, it's, it's the building and the billboard.
10: Okay, the building and the billboard. So the building, the billboard, and the parking lot are all under the conditional use authorization. Yeah,
1: I believe that's correct. Okay. I see Melanie checking for me. But Sprint actually, uh, Mole's antennas are on the billboard. Sprint actually split its antennas because it's, there were two, but the billboard actually blocked some of the antennas. So they actually took some, two of their antennas, I believe, off of the tower and put them on the billboard. But if we're looking uh, Verizon's at, antennas are high enough that they're over the billboard.
10: But if we're looking at the conditional use authorization, we're looking at both lots 28 and 29. Right.
1: Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and patience. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will now hear from the planning department.
11: Thank you. Tina Tam, once again, for the planning department. I'm going to go ahead and put up the um, the photo of the property before and after again, because I'm hearing questions about fenestration or fencing, screening, et cetera. Um, the planning department is not opposed to a solid fence. I'm sure it would help with screening from the from the work point of view. However, in the past, we, we did have some sort of makeshift solid screening on the property, as you can see from the photograph on, at the top. Um, where it conceals, you know, a bunch of debris and garbage, and um, the great, the overall sort of nature of the site, which we don't like. Um, the The open fencing that we have today is slightly better because it's, it's, you know, you can see through it and you can check out if there's a couch there or not, um, or it needs to be removed, and um, provide some sort of safety mechanism. But um, those are just the two conditions I want to point out to you because they previously accessed on the property. Thank you, President
0: Swick has a question? Yes,
2: sir, just, just a follow-up question, to assist uh, the appellant, um, can you make yourself available, or can you clarify uh, if the appellant has the issue with the, um, with the, uh, uh, the, the parking lot, uh, the, um, sorry, sidewalk um what what sh- and the, the, I don't know that the sidewalk is even attached to 1431 because it may be 1433 or 1429 or whatever so Eight. but clearly you know there's it's been discussed because it looks little X's all over the place so can you advise please the, the appellant um, briefly and then he can contact you or DBI directly or maybe DPW because that's part of your answer uh what <laughs> what he can do to assist his fellow citizens in, in getting that uh, sidewalk. Uh, yes, ab-
11: absolutely. The 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 poll that um, that you see in the photograph uh, is on lot 29, that's 1431 San Bruno. Um, according to the tax assessor's record that it's in PIM, property information map, the adjacent property where there's a building and a billboard is 1435, and it shows a different owner. Whether that's truly the case or not, whether that's the same owner, I. I'm only gonna tell you what I see. Um, If the damaged part of the sidewalk is in front of 1431, then I think um, the responsibility may be on the owner for 1431 to repair, and that's something that needs to be uh, resolved uh, with the Department of Public Works. You need a permit for that, you need a licensed contractor to to go ahead and repair the the sidewalk, et cetera, Um, but that's certainly where you would start.
2: And would that be a citizen's complaint to DPW, which would potentially stimulate an, an NOV, uh, which would therefore stimulate an action request from the property owner?
11: That, that is correct. The Department of Public Works have their own enforcement team. Um, I, I know that for a fact because I've seen them write graffiti fines, $1,000 a day, maybe um, don't take care of whatever it is on the public right away. Um, I think you can start with 311 uh, and then make your way to public works.
2: Right. thank you for that education.
0: Thank you. We'll now hear from Department of Building Inspection.
13: Um, and and about, about the sidewalk complaint, I'd already made a note I'm gonna contact the um, uh, sidewalk inspector, at DPW. I'd be happy to um, uh, CC the, the appellant and, and uh, figure out what's going on with the uh, sidewalk. Uh, they do have an enforcement program and the uh, property owner immediately in front of the sidewalk is responsible for it um, this this permit application didn't get go through uh, DPW for approval because there's no change in the um, the public right-of away so um, if there if it had if it, the DPW complaints may have been an issue but since there's no uh, proposed change in the right away it never went to the Department of Public Works um, just to clarify, the sidewalk is the DPW's jurisdiction, DBI's jurisdiction starts at the property line and inside the private property. So I, I, I will reach out to uh, DPW tomorrow and I will uh, include the appellant in the email and see what's going on with the sidewalks. Um, any questions you may have?
0: Thank you. No questions? Nope. Okay, Commissioner's, or President Swig, are you okay? Commissioner's, this matter is submitted.
2: Commissioners, uh, should we start at the, the other end of the table? Mr. Lopez, any comment?
12: Yeah, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Green for, for taking on the the sidewalk uh, issue. And, um, you know, I think from my perspective, you know, our hands are, are somewhat tied here. Uh, I do want to thank the appellant <coughs> for is very detailed and clear uh presentation uh i think you know honestly it's probably one of the best that i've seen presented in, in this uh, type of case um but i also i guess i would you know going back to a line of question uh that i had for for planning about you know the the, the information that was shared with us this evening I I get the sense that there's there's a lot of learning and and information that was shared tonight that you know absent you know unheard of levels of viewership of our meetings (laughs) I think it kind of gets lost and I think we could probably do a better job as a city with not having that information be limited to these hearings, but having it be something that's accessible to members of the public who may just be walking by and, and have, you know, questions. Um, and I think, you know, that shouldn't just be, uh, limited to, uh, the health impacts, but you know, Hey, who owns this stuff and how long has it been here? And, you know, what was taken into account, um, You know when this was approved has has the use you know has this park was this park taken into account when when this conditional use was considered and approved uh how often do you guys check this thing out and i think you know if if we if if we could capture that information which thankfully we get the benefit of um you know in our decision making process and i'm grateful for that but if we could capture that information and make it more accessible to the public um you know and that's not that's not because i i don't want <laughs> folks to appeal uh they're certainly entitled to to appeal even having the benefit of that information but i do think you know it it could drive you know change that that we're not you know empowered to legislate uh within this body but it it, it could it could drive change uh you know, at, at, you know, let's say the, the, the board of supervisors level level. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's just something that, you know, I think as a good public service, we should be doing. Um, so that's, that, that's my thought uh, like I said, I do think our, our hands are tied, but you know, I just get I, I wanted to express that, that I think, um, the public deserves to know and have the benefit of that information that, that, that we're, you know, fortunately provided with um, when, when we make these decisions. Thanks.
6: Mr. Hi, Mr. President, I'd like to join Vice President Lopez in his comments about the, the role of, uh, of our board and these proceedings. Uh, we obviously have to follow our own guidelines, mission statement. We have to follow federal law, regulations as well as statutes. We have to follow state law and local law, uh, and in that regard, uh, we we got onto a lot of issues tonight, but they're very educational for the public, and I hope that uh, and educational for the uh, for, for for the permit holder, uh, because it's 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 important that these things be carried out. Uh, as as for, for for Mr. Lee and and for for the for DPW and 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 planning, I think there there are. Things that come out of this uh, that they are appropriate to, to follow up. As I read the conditional use agreement uh, regarding the conditions for revocation, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read it because it's pretty. It's pretty clear that not only are are, are the conditions to be followed, uh, but the but there doesn't appear to be a lot of discretion at the planning department. If there are if there are if there are um, uh, failures to to comply, failure to comply with any condition, shall constitute grounds for revocation. The zoning administrator shall schedule a public hearing before the planning commission to receive testimony, other evidence to demonstrate a finding of violation of a condition of the authorization of the use of the facility. And finding that violation, the commission shall revoke the conditional use authorization. And now, this revocation can always go to the board of supervisors, uh, but this is this is. Uh, authority that, that that should be used both as an educational matter here as well as well as follow, following up. So I, I appreciate uh, Mr. Albritton on behalf of his client and clients uh, has 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 heard these concerns uh, and and we can make some progress. Uh, but as for the matter strictly before us, I, I think I think the, the recitation of what the governing law is uh, pretty much militates our, our, our a decision here. Thank you.
3: Commissioner? I don't have a whole lot to add. Um, I definitely echo the sentiment of my fellow commissioners. Um, I think, you know, considering that this is a case where, you know, we're pretty legally bound as to what our decision is, um, I think uh, I, I want to thank all, all of my fellow commissioners for really kind of teasing out um, a number of different issues that can be you know, brought to the public's attention and that are of public importance um, because, you know, uh, radio towers and radio frequencies are are something that people tend to care about. It's something that people don't understand very well. It's something that um, apparently the federal government has decided that local government shouldn't have any say on, which, you know, is what it is, I guess, but, um, you know these issues are going to continue to come up in different forms at different locations. Uh, and I just, you know, I I, I think every little bit of public education is, is very well placed. And I, and I thank my fellow commissioners for, uh, doing a better job than I did tonight at, uh, teasing out issues and, and kind of, you know, going through, uh, every possible, uh, item of discussion i think mayor
10: thank you um yeah i i have a lot of sympathy for for the appellant not not for necessarily the replacement of the antennas but for the overall condition of that area and that condition is allowed to exist because it's this location is a changing corner space in the city and we have a lot of those changing corner spaces of the city where we have residential projects against old industrial uses trying to fight it out uh, with poor infrastructure and poor enforcement of the rules, generally, um, I I live in Petro Hill. I you know I see a lot of that as we try to change and develop those spaces. Um, you know this was interesting, and I, I appreciate the you know everyone's suffering my tedious questioning because this, it's this is a very slippery set of facts, right? We have the conditions on multiple lots. We have an overlay of what's allowed in the conditional use over multiple lots. We have multiple parties, uh, maybe even multiple owners of the lots that are encumbered by the same conditional use uh, authorization. And so it's a bit of a mess. But, you know, the only thing that is relatively clear is the federal statute. And, you know, the only place where I think we could have found a you know, to put a chisel into that federal statute would be if we could have found a, you know, existing violation of the conditional use permit. And, you know, we, we, we tried to tease that out. Um, looking back through the planning uh, approval, there, there was a park across the street at the time that did exist. Um, so that was considered. Um, the, even though, you know, we probably would not build such an obtrusive tower now. Uh, it did go through a process and get built and so it at least at the time probably met that minimized visual impact uh, requirement Um, (laughs) so you know I mean there's 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 a lot that might go differently now and there's a lot that the city needs to do to make sure that the other issues are addressed but when it comes to the narrow question of whether or not we have the authority to, to you know, uh, uh, uphold the appeal on the basis that this does not qualify under the federal statute. I, You know, it's it's just the record's not quite there, and I think that if something does happen, um, that does create a clear uh, violation of the conditional use authority terms uh, on the two lots, because they're both under the same conditional use authority, then Commissioner Transvinia has outlined a remedy for that. Thank you.
2: Thanks. Um, I'm going to make a motion, but before I'm going to take the opportunity, given that we have no significant, uh, significant uh, further agenda this evening or extensive further agenda this evening, um, Mr. Givner, um, had there been uh, NOVs on on uh, eighteen thirty one, um, and uh, which is not the case, and this is for since we're in education world let's go for it tonight uh had there been novs on 1831 uh uh, the the federal statutes aside uh could could we have conditioned um our our direction tonight on the cleaning up of those novs before that uh, before that uh, permit was allowed to proceed just out of interest
6: uh Thank you, President Swig. I don't
10: believe that the commission could have added a condition uh, for cleanup on this particular permit. Uh, Of course, the departments could have pursued the NOV to ensure cleanup, but it couldn't have been a condition of of this board's decision today. Okay,
2: good. I mean, that's important. As We'll we'll see Mr. Albritton again or we'll see somebody else again uh, where there will be a a, another statute that is really governing the whole thing, but it's important to know that that other stuff can't get in the way, and we, we deal with it in another fashion. With that, I make a motion to deny the appeal on the basis that the permit was properly issued.
0: Okay, uh, we have a motion from President Sway to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, Vice President Lopez, aye. Commissioner Trezvina, aye. Commissioner Lemberg, aye. Commissioner Appler, aye. That motion carries five to zero, and the appeal is denied. And that concludes the hearing. Thank you.
2: When do we deal with the letter issued to the ones that appear on our next week? Is is that time? Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Thank you, everybody. Good night.